Mayor Lightfoot joins us. Thank you so much for taking time out of, I know what is a busy day, getting out there, asking for the last few votes. I've got a question for you, Mayor. Yeah, go ahead. There was an article that was written in the past week, and within that article, it read like this. The embattled mayor of Chicago, who is so abrasively antagonistic, they could provoke a punch in the nose from the saintly Mother Teresa. Who do you think that was written about? Uh, well, it sounds like a Fox News reporter writing about me, but... It's not. It's, it, yeah. Let me put in the name that was in there. The embattled mayor of Chicago, Rahm Emanuel, who is so abrasively <laughs> antagonistic, they could provoke, a, they put he, I changed it to they, provoke a punch in the nose from the saintly Mother Teresa, and they were going on because they were talking about that. That seems to be an issue people want to bring up. And honestly, I'm going to tell you, as I've told John Williams and everything, everyone else, I believe it has to do with the fact that you're a woman. Look, there's no question whatsoever. When you think about um, the personalities of of the mayors that have come before me, um, the only difference is my gender, um, my race, and my uh, sexual orientation. And so it's become this narrative of, oh, the mayor is mean, she can't get along with people. But if you look at what we've actually been able to accomplish, which requires deep collaboration and partnership, closing record budget deficits, getting a casino after 30 years of futility, getting the red line extension uh, going, all of those things, a seven-county agreement for business development and marketing. If you can't collaborate, if you can't bring people together, you can't do that. And look at what we were able to accomplish uh, through COVID. That wasn't a mayor's office effort. That was a citywide team effort, people from all over uh, coming together, collaborating, all with the purpose of making sure that people in the city were saved from the ravages of this horrible uh, virus. Let me just say this. All those things require... I just want to say, when I'm talking to you about your mom or your kid or what you cooked on the grill or your dog, Hank, it's a whole different (laughs) demeanor because those are things that are personal and easy to talk about. And I think that uh, the word abrasive is now a tag that will always be associated with whatever mayor is occupying the fifth floor. Okay, as the white guy in the room... Yeah. Uh, Your Honor, I, I want to push back on that a little bit. And Rahm Emanuel certainly was, was difficult with the great vocabulary, but by and large, it was private. And I think part of the difference with you is that your, I don't know what word we want to use, uh, combativeness, abrasiveness, is is more public. I mean, I think of the early on city council meeting where you referred to a member of the FOP as a clown, or I believe you dropped the F-bomb a couple of times when it came to Donald Trump. Um, you know, so I, I think you've got a lot to run on, and I. But I, I, I just got to push back a little bit on the fact that you, you might be taking. I have a gay daughter. I have a transgender daughter, um, and, and I, I just think you're using that a little bit. I don't think that. I don't think no, that's why I, you're taking I, it. I, I, I don't. I, I, I have to disagree. Okay. Only because I'm not the one who's bringing it up. Over I brought and over it up. Over again, I did. I brought right? it up. And. and Look, what I'm running on is my record of accomplishment, and and others are ob- obsessed with the personality and the, the way that I deliver. But I'll say to you what I've said before. You may not like my delivery, but you cannot question at all 
the fact that we've delivered over and over and over again for the residents of this city. And to have that overlooked by, you know, yeah. what, what did she say and how did she say it? Come on, man. All right, well, how do you, then how do you get that done? How do you, how do you change the focus <laughs> from uh, what people perceive as your demeanor to which is your uh, obvious record? Well, I, one thing is, um, I'd love the media to join in talking about the things that actually I think are important to voters, which is, hey, what did she do to help us during COVID? What has she done to right our city's uh, finances so that they're the best that they've been in decades? Um, 11 uh, upgrades from the rating agencies. And for the first time in 25 years, all of our credits are um, investment grade and not junk status. What does that mean and how does that translate? It means that we're going to save the taxpayers of the city literally billions of dollars. That's important. Um, let's talk about what we've done to stitch back the social safety net. One of the things that's top of mind uh, for voters in the city is the trauma that people were experiencing pre-COVID that was exacerbated during COVID. That's why we now extended free culturally competent uh, mental health services to every one of our 77 neighborhoods. Um, let's talk about the fact that our economy has come roaring back so much so that we were able to prepay our pension debt. Yes, in Chicago, not only are we making the minimum monthly payment, which is also novel in our city, but we're prepaying uh, what we owe to make sure that our pensions are solvent. Let's and- talk about the fact that we got a casino after 30 years of futility. I want to so talk about I want some of the things that are important. Can, can I, we I, talk I, about I, gangs? Because I want to know if it's gangs or guns. We we talk about guns a lot. The only person that's mentioned gangs during most of this campaigning <laughs> is Chewy. It, 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 are, the, are the crimes in the city of Chicago being committed predominantly by people who run with gangs? I, I think it's a it's a mix. If, if you had asked me this question 10 years ago, I said, absolutely, uh, it's gangs. But unfortunately, what we're seeing is so many of these illegal guns end up in the hands of teenagers. Um, and, and what we're seeing is not gang warfare so much at, and turf fights as somebody said something on social media and dissed me. And so I've got to avenge my pride, uh, my personality. And it ends up in a fight. That turns into to gunfire. We're seeing a lot of that interpersonal conflict where guns are involved. And, you know, those teenagers have been fighting since the beginning of time. But when you put a firearm in the mix, then you're um, looking at certain tragedy. And that's a huge uh, issue. So, number one, we've got to make sure we continue to fight hard to take the illegal guns off the streets and stop the flow into our city. But we've also um, got to make sure that we're holding the people who use them accountable. And I'm a broken record on this, but we've got to uh, make sure that we, um, once they're arrested, once they're charged with a violent crime, and particularly when they're a habitual offender, they absolutely should not be on the street pre-trial. That does not make us safer. Your Honor, there was a, I'm sure you saw the ATF study not too long ago that said that a majority, and correct me because you must know it better than I do, but I believe it was a majority of the guns used in crimes in Illinois were actually stolen or taken or purchased in Illinois, not in other states like Indiana, like we had reported and believed to be the case. Does, does that mean we need to change the way we are policing this does that new information help you or does it not really change the game at all well i i think um candidly it's both 
we still have to make sure that we're doing what we can um, to fight hard against gun stores um, in Indiana that sell the straw purchasers without any regard uh, to how the guns uh, end up on the streets. We've done our own studies and we're in litigation right now with one of those gun stores. But for a long time, at least a decade, some of the gun stores that, that line the city that are in suburban Cook County, absolutely a big source of illegal guns uh, that are ending up on the streets of Chicago. So we have also can't take our eye off of that ball either. But fundamentally, we've got to get the guns out of the hands of the criminals. And when they um, possess them, and certainly when they use them, but even mere possession with somebody who is a convicted felon, somebody's got a track record of violence, they can't be out on the street. Mayor Lightfoot. Our officers are risking life and limb to find these people, put, uh, put solid cases on them. They need to be locked up. When Superintendent David Brown is replaced in October, will you hire from within, or what is the benefit in your mind about hiring from outside of the department? Well, look, I think you always want to try to hire from within if you can. And the superintendent, frankly, has been um, doing a significant amount to make sure that the leadership, uh, the senior leadership in the department is getting the kind of leadership training, professional development um, that would put um, some or many uh, in a position to take the next step and lead. Now, you know, um, this, uh, the, like always, um, the um, now the Civilian Oversight Board uh, will be the ones that um, do the initial vetting of candidates. Um, I feel like we've got a good crop of prospective folks internally, but we'll see what the future brings. Your Honor, Lisa's going to smack me because I'm going to make us late. But when I hear you uh, use the language, and Cam Buckner was just on in Vallis's commercials, and I mean, I'm old enough to remember the overcorrection of the 90s when we came out with all of these really harsh sentencing laws and the sorts of laws mm-hmm. that contribute to where we are today. I mean, can you mm-hmm. do a compare and contrast? Do you, do you think, do you see that that might be a possibility again? Look, I, I'm always nervous about trying to uh, legislate for a point in time, because by the time the legislature does its thing, the moment could have passed. I think we saw a little bit of that following uh, the horrific murder of George Floyd. There was a huge rush to do a lot of things uh, around uh, criminal justice uh, reform. And look, there's things that we absolutely must do. But, for example, at the, at the national level, I think there's some things at the national level that are appropriate. But I've joined a bunch of mayors from across the country saying, hey, if you're going to legislate around policing and accountability, you better talk to the local officials who know these issues the best. So we want to just make sure that our voice is in any of those discussions, because this is where the rubber meets the road. We're the ones that are going to be um, living with the consequences of any federal legislation. And same thing uh, with the state. We worked hard um, during the veto session uh, to make sure that we were addressing some of the challenges uh, that we saw uh, with the Safety Act. And luckily, we were able to get some things done, like putting back community safety as a factor uh, in pretrial uh, releases. But you can't legislate for the moment. You've got to make sure that you're thinking and playing the long game and making sure that all the relevant stakeholders are at the table uh, before uh, something becomes law. Otherwise, you're going to um, either uh, have a very flawed law or have to quickly uh, re- uh, recover from it uh, and make the necessary changes. Mayor Lightfoot, thank you so much for joining us today. Pleasure. Thanks, Always. Your Honor.